Welcome to the Tax Sell Podcast, Tax Sell Investing Made Easy. I'm, of course, Casey Dimon, a veteran tax sell investor, real estate broker, real estate investor, and the founder of the Tax Sell Academy. Today, we'll be discussing the tax foreclosure system. Okay, so taxes, they just aren't fun. It doesn't matter if they're income taxes, property taxes, sales taxes, employment taxes, whatever taxes exist, nobody likes to pay taxes. I hate them myself. Real estate taxes, definitely no different. But the deal is real estate taxes are kind of a necessary evil. They are a requirement, in fact. What do these taxes provide for us? What does this property taxes that we pay on the properties we own, where does this money go? Well, it goes to a lot of things. And of course, these things will vary from city to city and from county to county. They'll include your roads, your schools, your libraries, parks, emergency responders. Really, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. And if you're that curious about it, you can always call your county and ask for a description or you know how their budgets are allocated between the different departments to figure out exactly where your money goes. But road schools, library parks, emergency responders, all those things are you know just a small piece of the overall puzzle where these property taxes are you know, are taken advantage of, where they use this for the betterment of their citizens and the visitors to their county. So how does it work? How do they determine where these taxes go in the first place and how much are these taxes and all that good stuff? Well, every single parcel of real estate is assessed in some form or another. Now, based on this value or this assessment, that is what the county or the city will determine the taxes that you owe. So what happens is every single year, They'll send somebody by your house, by your property, you know, whatever else you own, and they will assess that property. Now, it might just be a drive-by, and they say, oh, nothing's changed from last year. Or it could be a full-blown assessment where they get out and they take some measurements and all that good stuff. So there's a wide range of how they assess properties. But based on their inspection, what they will do is they'll determine the value for your property. Now, these assessors... You know, a small county might have one assessor that does every single property, and a larger county might have hundreds of assessors that drive by the different properties. Now, utilizing the methods that they utilize and, you know, stuff that we actually talk about inside the academy, like comparable sales, that kind of stuff, they determine the value for the property. That is usually not going to be your fair market value. It's kind of just a ballpark. They say your property is worth about this, and we're going to base your taxes off what we think it's about worth. Now, sometimes they might take your taxes and base them off the full 100% value of whatever they think your property is worth. Other times they say, okay, the property is worth this, cut it in half, and that's what the taxes are based off of. So it varies from city to city. What happens though, is once they assign that value, they'll multiply that value by what is known as a millage rate. This millage rate is a rate that is determined by your city or by your county, and ultimately the end result will result in what you pay for your taxes. Now, different cities, different areas, different even areas inside a city will have different millage rates. And of course, this ultimately affects the amount that you're paying on your tax bill. Now, some examples could be like, you know, if they just build a new school in your area, your taxes might be a little bit higher than another area. Or maybe you live like in a historical district, your taxes could be higher there. Basically, it's around, your taxes are based around the demand on the county or on the city for that area. If they had to put a lot of effort to maintaining that area and to keeping it nice, that kind of stuff, your taxes are probably gonna be a little bit higher. 
Now, in some areas, there's also city taxes and county taxes. The city will send you a tax bill one time a year, and then the county will send you a tax bill another time a year. It's not fun to get two bills, but that's just how it operates in some counties because the county will take your portion of taxes that you pay and put it to the county type stuff. When it comes to the city taxes, the city will pay their expenses off your taxes, off that portion. So what happens is these taxes, when you pay them, they go to a large pool of money. And that money is going to be handled and budgeted by the county or city government, whether you like it or not. If you don't like it, of course, go out and vote and change those people. But they usually will take and they'll figure out who gets what where. For example, the sheriff's department might come in and say, listen, I need my budget to be raised this year because I need to buy 100 new police cars or new patrol cruisers, whatever they call them. And because of that, that budget's going to go up that year if it's approved by the county or city officials. So they have this money. It's a big pool of money, and it's split up into different counties and different city departments. So every year within the city or within the county, all these departments will get a small share of that money. It could be like public works, for example, or parks or roads or emergency services or whatever they call them in your area. So you have a big pool of money, and then all this money is chopped up and divided up, and it's distributed out to all the different county or city departments that need that money. Now, the deal is they have to have this money to fill up their pool or to fill up their account to pay for their operating budget. The money is expected. They have to have this money. It's truthfully, it's actually required to provide the citizens and the visitors of that area with the services and the amenities that are provided by that department. For example, if the sheriff's department gets nothing from their budget, well, they can't pay anybody, so you have no sheriff's deputies around, right? So nobody wants that. So they have to have, you know, their budget has to be fulfilled every year. So what happens if the budget is not fulfilled? What happens when enough of these taxes go unpaid? When taxes are unpaid, that pool of money that they rely on is shrunk, even though that same budget has to be met. So even though that pool of money shrinks, the operating budgets required by the individual departments will stay the same. They still have the same expenses. They still you know, have the same employees, all that good stuff. In fact, if anything, the budget that they need actually goes up higher because of the cost of living, inflation, all that good stuff, right? So in short, the county has the same exact expenses, but less income. Now, depending on the size of the area, you know, if they have one or two houses that don't pay the taxes, nobody's probably going to notice. But if you have 10,000 houses and they don't pay their taxes, well, something's going to be impacted there, right? In smaller areas, of course, the number will be much smaller. You know, if you're in a very rural city, for example, maybe 50 houses that decide not to pay their taxes one year just, just stop and that money is expected, well, that could have an impact on the citizens in that county. What does this mean? What does it mean when it has that impact, right? So it means a lot of things. Roads crumble, schools shut down, parks close, emergency response times increase. That's right. The services that you and I take for granted every single day, they diminish or they just simply disappear. So that money is very, very important. Now, in my book, Tax Cell Playbook, I actually have an example of this. I referenced the city of Detroit, and you might know the history here, but obviously Detroit's manufacturing city has been for many, many years. When the economy tanked back in 2008, jobs in Detroit and the industry in Detroit dried up. And what happened? Tax revenue 
plummeted. It went down. If there are no jobs, the truth is there's really no reason for anyone to live there, especially in a large city. Now, Sometimes you have retirement areas and stuff like that, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about people that move to an area and live in an area because they, they work, they have jobs, they need that income. If that income is not there to be paid for, what do they do? They move out, they leave. This means that for every home that is abandoned, a small fraction of that pool of money that is used for those operating budgets will disappear. But remember, those expenses will still remain the same. And basically, if you think of it this way, like a business, you have income that comes in, expenses that must be paid, and hopefully there's difference there, and of course, that's your profit. It works the exact same way when it comes to a county budget. They have income by form of tax revenue that comes in, they have expenses that go out, and if your income is lower than your expenses, something's got to give. You have issues there, right? You just you can't do the same thing. At least you can't do it over and over and over again through a course of a number of years. And that's what happened in Detroit. I don't recall the exact stat, but it's something like one third of all homes in Detroit were either tax foreclosed or mortgage foreclosed by 2014. That's a lot. That's a lot of homes that literally, if you drive down the street in Detroit, and, and I did it many times, that means every third house is abandoned. That means every third house in, in most areas was boarded up. Every third house after three or four or five years after being boarded up was dilapidated and just about ready to come down. And what they did, of course, they tore a lot of homes down in those areas. But what eventually happened is something that, you know, happens to businesses if you have the same situation. When your expenses are substantially more than your income, over and over and over again, you're out of money, you go deep into debt, it doesn't work in business, and it doesn't work when it comes to tax revenue. And what happened in Detroit, of course, they filed for bankruptcy a short time later. And, you know, nobody wants to be in that situation. So what I'm trying to get at is taxes are required. There is absolutely no way around it. You have to pay the taxes. When somebody fails to pay their taxes, it affects the operating budget of that county. When enough people fail to pay their taxes, it affects every single citizen, you and I and every single visitor in that county. It has an impact on you if enough people fail to pay it. So when someone fails to pay their taxes, the county has to do something. They must do something. And in fact, they should do something because I want those services and you probably want those services as well. What they do is dictated by state law and it does vary now from state to state. You have to remember that the county has two priorities. Number one, they want to get that delinquent tax revenue. They need that money to meet their budgets. So they're going to do all they can to have you pay off your taxes, to have you pay your taxes you know, when you're supposed to. In the perfect scenario, they don't want to even have a tax foreclosure process. They just want you to pay your taxes on time like you're supposed to. But their second priority is to return that property to the tax roll as a current tax revenue producing property. So they want the back due taxes and they want that property back on the tax roll for somebody that will pay those taxes ongoing. So Let's look at a few different ways that the counties can accomplish their goal of receiving that delinquent tax revenue and returning that property to an active tax revenue producing status. There's four different types of systems that are utilized by the counties in different states. Now, before we get into all these different, or at least to the four different systems, you have to understand the first part of the process will always, always, always be the same. The first part is that the current property owner fails to pay the property taxes on time. They get a bill and they pay late. 
Now, the processes we're about to discuss don't begin on day one. Some will actually start 45 to 60 days later, and others take much, much longer to really kick in. So it's not like, you know, you forgot to mail it or you had to go to the post office and they were closed when you went to get your stamp or, you know, whatever the situation is, you sent it a day late. It's not like, you know, you, taxes are due on Friday and then Monday you lose the property. It's nothing like that. You are very, very conscious of what's going on. You're going to receive lots and lots of letters and all, all sorts of other stuff before you lose your property. So people say, oh, I don't pay my taxes. I lost my property. It does not work like that, folks. It's just it's a common misconception. You don't pay your taxes. You lose a property the next month. A lot of times it takes years and years before you lose your property. And it's not like they never tell you. In some states, for example, you're going to be getting 15, 20, 30 letters before you actually lose your property. And a lot of these are going to be sent certified. You're probably going to have to sign for some of them. Some of them will have, you know, have process servers that serve these papers on you at your home or your work. So it's not like you just lose your property. So let's get over that, okay? So back to the four different processes that are used. The first type of process is called a tax lien process. These are tax lien states. Now, these are held in a number of states. Some examples are Arizona, Illinois, Mississippi, Alabama, Montana. There's many, many other states, of course. Now, in a tax lien state, the owner, of course, is first late paying their taxes. That's how all these processes will kick off. Once this happens, after a set period of time, the county will auction off a lien against the property. So when they do this, they sell a lien against that property. A tax lien investor will purchase this lien. Essentially, what they're doing is this investor is paying the taxes on the owner's behalf. So the county will be able to get their tax revenue that they require for those budgets much faster than holding it in-house and maybe some of the other methods we're going to be talking about. So they auction off, and this could be you know, 30, 60 days, maybe even you know, 90 days after the taxes are late. They auction a lien off, and the tax lien investor buys that lien. The county gets their money. So in exchange for paying those taxes, the investor will earn a return on their money. Now, as far as how much they earn, it depends on the specific state. In some states, it could be 20% or more. In other states, if they don't purchase it correctly, they could actually lose money on their investment, especially if you don't know what you're doing. Now, we are going to get into the different types of tax liens and the way they're auctioned off and all that good stuff in this episode, but just know we'll discuss them soon. Now, once an investor has purchased that lien, there's a set period of time that the delinquent owner has to be able to repay that lien. And typically, you know, it's a year or two. Now, they'll pay those back taxes that are due, the taxes they previously owned. They'll probably also have to pay some fees that are going to be owed to the county. And then, of course, they'll have to pay the interest that is going to be owned to that tax lien investor. So, if a tax lien investor buys your lien on your property that you failed to pay your taxes on time, when you go to pay it off, you're going to give the county the amount of back due taxes, interest, penalties, fees, all that good stuff. From there, the county will send that money out to the tax lien investor and he'll earn interest on his money. So, you know, he'll basically pay your taxes for you. You go in there, you reimburse, the, you know, you pay the county, the county will reimburse the tax lien investor. You'll, he'll get the taxes that he paid, his interest, all that good stuff. So his main focus is on earning interest on his investment. And you understand that's the main focus when you're a tax lien investor. You're trying to earn interest. Some people are like, I'm going to buy tax liens. I'm going to hold it for two years. That way I can gain ownership of the property. And the deal is, it does work like that. If the tax, if the defaulting taxpayer fails to pay those taxes over the course of one or two years or however long that redemption period is, it, it is definitely, it works like that. You can gain ownership 
over the property. Now, we're not going to get into the whole process of how to do that and that kind of thing, but just understand, this happens less than 5% of the time. It's not like a backdoor entrance into gaining ownership of the property. It's actually very rare. 95% of the properties that are sold through tax liens, 95% of the tax liens sold are redeemed. So just know when you're buying a tax lien, your primary focus should be to earn interest on your money and not to become the owner of that property. Now let's talk about tax deed states. A few tax deed states, Alaska, California, Utah, New Mexico, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Michigan. There's a whole bunch of other ones too, okay? So what happens, of course, is the owner fails to pay the taxes. The taxes are delinquent. Now they have time to repay. It might be six months, a year, two years, maybe even much longer. What happens here in a tax deed state is the county will essentially hold that tax lien themselves. So instead of auctioning off the tax lien, they'll hold it themselves. Now, they'll put a lien on your property. They might not call it a tax lien. They might call it you know, a late payment fee or delinquent fee or whatever they want to call it. But just know that when the owner comes back to pay it, they have to pay taxes, interest, and penalties. And guess who collects it? The county does. So the county will collect it, and then they'll release that lien against the property. Now, over a certain period of time, though, in a tax deed state, after a year or two years, the county will foreclose that lien and they will become the owner of the property. It could be owned by the city, it could be owned by the county, or it might be you know, a situation where they auction it off and immediately once they auction it off, it goes from the delinquent owner to the new owner. So just it varies in all different states and that kind of thing. So, But just know that they don't actually sell the liens, but they do sell the properties. They're auctioning off a tax deed. So again, you have a delinquent owner, a certain period of time passes. If that delinquent owner fails to pay the taxes back to the county, the county sells their property. Now, the property is usually gonna be sold at an auction. Bidding will usually start at the amount of the taxes, interest, penalties, and fees that is owed. So if you're the first bidder, you get it for the minimum bid amount, you're basically paying back what is owed by the delinquent taxpayers, and in exchange, you take ownership of that property. Of course, you know, like I said earlier, they might have a year, two years, three years, or maybe much longer to pay the property. So it's pay the property taxes and penalties and fees to the county before it's even taken to the point of auction. So there is plenty of time for the delinquent owner to take care of his situation. But if they don't, they'll auction that property off. And again, they'll usually start at the amount that is owed. Now, some states have methods of reselling properties that don't sell at the first auction. So what will happen here is they will sell the, try to sell the properties for the amount that is owed, the taxes, fees, all that good stuff. If they don't sell them, they might hold a second auction. The second auction could be for the same exact amount, or it could be for a nominal bid amount. Sometimes I've seen it literally as low as one cent. I and mean, of course, I've purchased a one cent property before, and I've got videos on YouTube about it in, in the Tax Law Academy. I go into a great detail on it, of course. Now, it's not very common, but it does happen from time to time if you attend enough auctions. What I'm trying to get at is the second auction itself, if there's valuable properties there, might be a, a very viable option for you as well. So tax deeds, you're buying the property. Now, let's talk about another state, redeemable deed states. Now, let me actually, let me back up for one second and talk about tax deeds again. When it comes to a tax deed state, once you buy that property at a tax deed auction, you're the owner. There is no turning back. They can't just come in the next day and pay the taxes or anything like that. Once you pay for that property, once they record that deed in your name, you actually own that property. That's it. The delinquent owner, he's got, you know, he no longer has any ownership of that property. You're the owner as a tax deed investor. Now, the next type of system is called a hybrid state. 
In a hybrid state, this is a system that is used just by a few states, Florida, Ohio, New York. I, I think that's most of them. There might be one where I'm missing. But these are hybrid states. What happens is it's a mix between a tax lien and a tax deed. It's a hybrid between the two. So a tax lien is sold just like the tax lien process that we discussed. You have a delinquent taxpayer and a tax lien is auctioned off. That tax lien holder hopes to earn interest on his money. The part where it differs is once that tax lien period has expired. So obviously in a tax lien process, you might have a year, two years to repay the taxes. So once that year, two years is up, however long it is, this is where the hybrid system comes into play. And it kind of almost converts to a tax deed system at this part. So what will happen is when the owner's out of time, instead of the tax lien holder acquiring ownership of the property, it actually goes to a second auction. And the second auction is a tax deed auction. So you have two auctions in a hybrid state. You have a tax lien auction and a tax deed auction. In the tax deed auction, what will happen is the property will open at the opening bid of the amount that is owed to the tax lien holder plus any you know, fees and whatnot to the county. So bid number one is just there to pay back the tax lien holder. So the tax lien holder, he'll say, okay, the time, guys, time is up. Let me go ahead and take a tax deed so I can realize my investment. Opening bid will be what is owed to him. You place a bid for that, and then he is reimbursed and he gets his interest off his money after that period of time is up and after he takes it to the tax deed sale. So if you bid $1 more, you pay whatever is owed plus $1, and then you become the owner of the property. If you bid $1,000 more, you pay whatever's owed plus $1,000. That's it. And the tax lien holder, of course, he gets his reimbursement and his interest and all that good stuff. So he makes out. Now, if you are buying it as a tax deed buyer, it's just like buying it at a tax deed auction, truthfully. Uh, the only difference is instead of paying the county back, you're paying the county and then they reimburse the tax lien holder. So for a tax deed buyer, it makes very little difference that it's a hybrid state opposed to a tax deed state. For the tax lien holder, of course, if, you know, when he takes it to the auction itself, he is reimbursed. Now, if nobody bids on that property, he becomes the owner of that property. So if they auction, if they go to auction off and not a single person bids, he becomes the owner of the property. You have to realize, of course, that he's already invested his money in the property. So he has a lot of money tied up already before he goes to that auction. He's just trying to realize his investment and to earn the interest. And, you know, finally somebody pays that interest by the way of a tax deed investor, he's reimbursed that kind of stuff. So if nobody bids now, he becomes the owner of that property. Now, let's say he bought the tax lien and he has $1,000 into it that he is owed for the taxes to reimburse himself for the taxes and for the interest itself. But he still wants that property. What if somebody bids $1,500? Well, he, you know, he can bid the next increment, which let's say is $1,600. And in a lot of states, what he'd have to do is just pay the difference between what he already has in that property of $1,000 and the $1,600. So he might write a $600 check and he can become the owner of the property. So you can still bid on properties in hybrid states if you're the tax lien holder, so you can really take advantage of both systems. It's just kind of a longer-term investment. Now, let's talk about the last system, which is a redeemable deed state. In redeemable deed states, it's Texas, Georgia, Tennessee, South Carolina, Delaware, and I believe it's Connecticut. Those are the tax, the redeemable tax deed states. Now, this is also kind of a mix between a tax deed and a tax lien state. Um, it's just kind of flip-flopped around a little bit, and you'll kind of understand why. So, of course, first up, the property has delinquent taxes on it. The owner failed to pay the taxes on time. So what will happen is the property is sold through the methods that we discussed in a tax deed section. Of course, the 
defaulting taxpayer has plenty of time to pay everything back. Might be a year, might be two years, you know, however long. Then the county auctions off the property. Now, that's, of course, if the owner fails to pay it back. They're going to pay it back with interest and everything else. That goes to the county. There's no tax lien or anything else that is auctioned off in a redeemable deed state. So what will happen here is that after that period of time passes, the tax deed will be auctioned off. The county will say, okay, we're going to take it to auction. They will sell the tax deed to that property. So if you buy a tax deed in a redeemable deed state, you become the owner of that property. But there's a caveat here. The defaulting owner, the person that used to own the property, the person that failed to pay their taxes on time, has one final period of time to pay the taxes for that property. It could be six months, could be a year, it could be two years, you know, it just varies from state to state. So what will happen here is that even though you're the owner as a redeemable tax deed buyer, they can still step in up until that redemption window is history, up until a redeemable deed time that, you know, they have some sort of window that they can redeem the property in. Until that expires, they can step back in and they can repay those taxes that are due. They can pay the fees. And then what will happen is on top of paying that stuff, the redeemable deed buyer will receive a penalty or interest of some sort. Now, this could be substantial. It could be 50% or more. So if you buy a $10,000 property and they redeem it, you could still get a $5,000 return on that property. Now, it might not be as a significant return as if they did not redeem it, but you know it's still a decent return depending on the state. So what will happen here is if they come in after the fact, if they come into this window of time to redeem that deed, to cancel that deed, to pay off their back taxes, when they do it, your deed as a redeemable deed buyer is canceled. Your deed is voided. You'll lose interest in the property. Of course, you'll be reimbursed and you'll get interest and penalties and all that good stuff. So you're still making some money, but you'll no longer be the owner of that property. And then the defaulting owner, the person that was delinquent in the first place, they will reclaim 100% ownership of that property. Now, if that window expires and they don't pay off those taxes, because let's face it, a lot of times it'll be those taxes plus 50%, for example, and that's a lot of money that's accumulating. If they don't pay those taxes off in that window of time, the redeemable deed buyer will become the sole owner of that property. That redemption rights, the redemption rights for that property will be history. They'll be voided at the time that window, that redemption window expires. So again, redeemable deed state, you buy the property, the defaulting owner still has a period of time to redeem it. If they don't redeem it in that time period, then you become the sole owner. So that's a redeemable deed state for you. So there you have it. Those are the four different types of tax foreclosure systems and tax sale systems that are used. And now you also understand the importance of these systems, why these systems are in place when it comes to tax revenues that are required by the city or the counties that you live in, that you visit, that kind of stuff, or at least that you invest in. Now, if you want to see a detailed map, a detailed section of every single state and the systems that they use and some more details on how their different processes work, head on over to taxhellacademy.com forward slash state hyphen guide. Again, that's taxhellacademy.com forward slash state hyphen guide. It's all color coded. It'll give you all the details when you click on the state. It has a little video about every single state. So if you're curious on what state you use and where you live, where you visit, where you invest, that kind of stuff, head on over there. It'll give you all the details. So thanks for joining me today on the Tax Sell Podcast, where tax sell investing is made easy. As always, for more information on tax sell investing, head on over to taxcellacademy.com. And while you're there, go ahead and register for your free copy of my book, 
Tax Sale Playbook. It's the ultimate guide to buying and selling tax defaulted real estate. And if you want more detailed information, more detailed training to really get you elevated in your tax sale investing game, consider joining the Tax Sale Academy. That's all I've got for you today, folks. Take care. Bye-bye.